0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Story Worth Sharing podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Shepard, joined today by the better co-host, Amy Rodriguez. Oh
1: Thanks. I'm back yeah, again. Yeah, you're back. I'm glad you're back. Coming.
0: I saw you were uh, checking your watch. Like You got a notification no, as we were going live. No, no.
1: I was trying to make sure Do Not Disturb was oh, on because I go. don't want to be that person. So you want to be in the zone. to be focused. Yeah. It's important.
0: That's good. You know? That's good. So you, you feel focused, excited, ready to just oh, take on... Yes podcast oh, look,
1: I am always in the zone when we're in this room, except for, you know, towards the end, sometimes I get a little <laughs> like, okay, I Amy, mean, don't mess up, don't mess up. But no, most <laughs> of the time, most of the time I'm always in the zone just because I love talking to our guests and stuff. Yeah,
0: it's been a lot of fun.
1: I know. You know what I was thinking about randomly this past week?
0: <laughs> Definitely not. No. <laughs> I
1: always ask you that and I never expect yeah. you to say yes. So one of these days I will. One day. You might surprise me. But I was thinking randomly about like, what are the most expensive foods? I don't know why. Mm. I think I saw an article like briefly about it and I was just interested. And so I was like trying to read it to figure out like, what is the most expensive food that you could buy? Not necessarily like at a restaurant, right. but like, I guess the product. And there was a list, I think on this one of 15. Ooh. Would you like to guess on, what would you think would be on that list?
0: Um, like Wagyu or Kobe beef. Okay. That one yeah. was on the list. Yeah. yeah. Would, and then there's like, uh, truffles.
1: That one was also, yeah. that was like number six, I think.
0: Yeah. That's about as expensive as my taste gets, and to even say that's as expensive as my taste gets, I've had—I've had, had a wagyu steak once, and okay. I've never had truffles to my knowledge. So,
1: yeah, I—I I don't eat really anything fancy at all. So yeah. I don't. Okay, so one of them, I think it was number thirteen, maybe, but it's that I don't remember. I can't pronounce like the word for it, but it's like the globe fish. That apparently it's like I think it's in Japan, but it's like it's the the thing that has to be prepared the right way or it could kill you. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like poisonous or whatever. Why
1: do we want to risk that? I'm just curious. I I will never pay money almost to maybe die. Like I I get there's a risk, but I think that
0: may be some of the appeal though. People are just like you don't know what's gonna happen. I did
1: I did read that only qualified chefs like that have gone through three or more years of training on how to make (laughs) it actually get to cooking for people. uh, Three or more. Oh my goodness. And do they like
0: test on themselves? Like that's Hopefully, what I'm I could get it. Right.
1: Like, how many times do they have to test their own? I'm assuming they'd have to test their own, right? Yeah,
0: I mean, that's you like wouldn't
1: make someone else like try. I would.
0: I mean, that's that, like Nehemiah know. Cupbearer, Old Testament type stuff, like protecting the king.
1: It's a big deal.
0: That's what their sous <laughs> chef yeah, is for. Yeah, that's,
1: that's exactly <laughs> what it's for. The other two that seem most common on any of the list was saffron. Which
0: Interesting. Is like,
1: yeah, like the, it's. I think it's nicknamed red gold. It can go for 500 to 2,000 per pound. Oh my goodness! I think because of like how rare it is to find it and how. I think it only grows like once a year, a certain time of year, and not a lot of it. And that's you have to wild. get a lot of it to make it like worth it. And then number one, of course, is some famous caviar that I don't even know. Mm, I, I don't think
0: oh, I didn't think of caviar.
1: Yeah, it's some rare one that I think whatever the fish is that actually lays these eggs. Again, weird to me. I'm not a fan. I don't understand this <laughs> at all. But they only deliver eggs every 100 years apparently, and so that's why it's so like rare. To eat this specific, I think it's like almas caviar.
0: Can you imagine? It's an
1: albino sturgeon. Is that what that fish is? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Can
0: you imagine being an albino sturgeon?
1: (laughs) No. Who. (laughs) Cannot. Only
0: makes it 98 years and then they pass away.
1: Yeah. It's
0: like a year and a half, two years before, like their contribution to the world. They're going to yeah. provide the most expensive caviar, expensive food on the face of the planet, and they kick the bucket I right almost, before it. I
1: need to just Google what it looks like. I couldn't even tell you what this fish looks like to be like, wow, that must be an important fish, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: just happen to see one in an aquarium I mean, someday like oh that's honest, an important like that fish
1: one makes sense like yeah that looks like a fancy fish it's probably very i feel like it's probably not that fancy i don't know but anyway it,
0: i'm guessing if it's the most expensive food in the world it's probably pretty it fancy. says it's
1: thirty four thousand five hundred oh, per kilogram my goodness of the caviar don't that's, ask me to convert to any other yeah
0: we <laughs> this podcast is based in <laughs> texas we this definitely is the are list
1: they gave me but yeah, yeah.
0: standard measurements i know.
1: I was just really interested because I was like, things I probably will never have. yeah, but just super interested that they are out there. There you go. that was that was my thought.
0: Well, you know, you mentioned important and like important fish and you yeah. want to be able to see it and recognize it. Well, today's podcast guest is very important around here at Brazos Fellowship. very important. Yeah. We are excited to have Leslie Almond with us. Welcome Leslie.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Y'all are seriously the best at the intros. (laughs) I was so excited to see what you called Emmy today. Mm, Yeah. 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 That thought crossed my mind like, hmm, how much do they like me today? Today I'm pretty important. (laughs) Yeah. Today you are.
0: Very important. Very important. So why don't you let everyone understand why you are so important here in the life of the staff at Brazos Fellowship?
2: Yeah. Okay. I'll give that a shot. Um, People ask me all the time what it is that I do and... Um, My title is Ministry Services Director, which is kind of almost as made up as it sounds.
1: (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Um,
2: And so essentially, my role here is to help ensure that ministries get to do the max ministry that they can without having to worry about the admin side or without having to stop and do some of the little things um, and then also caring for our guests, um, whether that's on Sunday mornings or even just during the week. And so if you call, if you come by the church, you'll probably talk to myself or um, one of my team members. And. Um also the not so fun job of looking at the budget oh which no. is maybe the part that uh the staff doesn't love me for the most but that's okay.
0: <laughs> necessary, <laughs> yeah, absolutely necessary. We need necessary. it. We need
2: it. I really tried to not be the no person all the time. I'm really saying yes to things yeah. nowadays days. So I'm pretty proud of myself on that. And also if it's database related, if it's I don't man, you name it and I probably get to play in that realm and um, also, facilities maintenance needs to to fix a toilet. Might be me. There you go. <laughs> or it might be our plumbers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or when uh, the Wi-Fi is out in the building and no one that actually works on it is around, and Leslie's like, "There are two buttons. Which one do I press?" <laughs> Leslie's Both the only them. one that might know. We go to Leslie. <laughs> oh, Problem yeah. is,
2: one of them shuts it all down. <laughs> hmm. So it's a risk. That's
0: true. It's true. Well, I you know I think it's interesting because I I, I think and I've had this conversation definitely with college students. It's like what do you do all day you know it's like oh man it must be so cool to be in ministry you get to sit in your office and read your bible and pray and listen to worship music all day it's like you're paid to be a professional christian and while certainly some of that is true uh, and it's a great it's an amazing job uh, there's a lot to ministry that i know myself i had no idea prior to coming on staff here and getting involved in ministry and one of the things that you are so good at is to lighten the load of all of those other things that maybe would go unnoticed or uh, not considered when it comes to the ministry aspect, but absolutely necessary for us to be able to do those other things of engaging with people and making it all about the people that we're ministering to. So thanks. You do a great job.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Thank very you.
0: appreciative. I have to imagine that little girl, Leslie, didn't dream one day, you know what? I want to grow up and be a ministry services director at Brazos Fellowship. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I think it's an absolutely incredible position and should be the lifelong goal of a lot of little girls or boys, but I'm guessing that probably wasn't your like lifelong, (laughs) this is, I'm circling this, clipping this out of a magazine, this is what I want to be. And so there have to be these moments, these circumstances that interacted with your path and your journey to kind of get you to where you are today. And so when you think about your story, how God has shaped you as a person, what are some of those moments that stick out to you?
2: Yeah, Chris, you hit it on the head. That little girl would have never imagined working for a church. Like I mean, even so I've been on staff for about seven and a half years now and even the two or three years before that, you know, if you asked me ten years ago, would you ever work for a church and A, I didn't really know what that meant in the first place, Um, but B, no, I never really thought that that was going to be something that God would put me in, and honestly, there is all God. Now that I have been here, couldn't imagine, and I mean, even from day one, couldn't have imagined working anywhere else or even passing up on this opportunity But it is a little bit ironic that um, I have the role that I do have and even just that I work for a church. And so going way back, I did not grow up in a home where God was ever mentioned. Um, Mm. I grew up in a home where we didn't go to church. Uh, I grew up in a really small town, too, um, actually about 15 miles outside of a tiny small town. Good old Texas, you know. (laughs) Um, If anyone ever knows where Blue Texas is, I'm really impressed with them. Not me. Not me. No <laughs> clue. No. Clue. It's only about an hour away from here. So, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It is right between College Station and Austin. So you also always grew up either a Longhorn and an Aggie. Thank goodness I was always an Aggie. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. So grew up in you know in a very loving home. Let Me just I want to highlight that real quick too. Yeah. And my parents didn't go to church. Everyone in town. I think I said this already. Like knew. We were the family that just didn't go to church. Mm. And and it wasn't even like a Christmas Easter thing like that just wasn't on our mm. radar and I it's weird to tell people now I didn't even know God existed. Like kids kids normally know yeah. about God or no terms and things like that and didn't even have a clue. And also the craziest thing is that my first real introduction See, even the words was a private school that I attended for fifth grade. Okay, and essentially, with my parents, we decided you know public school just wasn't doing what we wanted for the time, and so we were yeah. to try this private school, and it was run by some really, really good family friends. Um, and so we went, and I remember there being this discussion of. Okay, one thing about it is it is technically supposed to be a Christian school. Okay. Like there was yeah. there was a Bible component. Like yeah. uh, it was so it was self-paced. It was tiny, tiny, tiny. So you got to kind of do everything on your own, which would have worked which worked out pretty well for me, honestly. Yeah. Um I got to study the more time on subjects I really wanted to advance in, kind of a deal and got to kind of procrastinate on some of the other <laughs> subjects. Yeah. And, but there was there was this Bible workbook that I had to work through. I don't remember much from it to be honest. And the other just weird crazy thing in thinking about it like there were a lot of things that didn't really line up with mm. this this school mm-hmm. and this church and um wound up leading toward just some just some childhood trauma that happened there. What I can tell you is that there are there are people who do bad things in this world, who have a title, yeah, that can definitely lead us to believing that that God and Christians can't be trusted, mm. kind of deal, yeah. So essentially, the the director and the principal of the school is also supposed to be the pastor um, of this little tiny church okay. and. Um, great family friends. So I got dropped off at their house every day, uh, cause it was on the way to my mom's work and school was in the opposite direction. And one thing led to another and half of the family started waking up later and things that should have never happened with a 10 year old started happening. And, um, I didn't know enough at the time to really be able to shut anything down. And I also, I knew that what was going on was wrong, but I didn't know to what degree specifically. Yeah and I don't even think that's because sex wasn't really talked about in my family either Um, but even just in general like I was a kid I didn't really know and I didn't know what to do with what was going on and I didn't know I didn't know how to react to someone who's much older who's a good friend who you know should know better kind of a thing and also who had a lot of everything ended with a veiled threat like there was there was this You'd better never tell or else. Mm-hmm. And it was timed so perfectly that someone walked in every yeah. time that would be said. And wow. so my little 10-year-old brain just ran with every potential bad thing that could happen. And and I just survived. I put my head down and I survived for the rest of the school year. And then finally that summer got to the point where I knew, like, I don't know what all to tell someone. But, like, this this isn't good and I can't go back there. Yeah. Kind of a deal. Yeah. and. So I, I woke up one, or I didn't really wake up. I didn't sleep a lot. Um, but so one, <laughs> one night I sat down with my parents and told them and just explained everything that was going on and um, just said, you know, I don't know what to do. And so we pursued that and um, went through the justice system. And they were phenomenal at the fact that I mean, not only were they super upset about everything that was going on and Mm -hmm. fought for me, but also they believed me, which was really big. Um, I've heard a lot of stories from people who have struggled with not being believed. Mm -hmm. And so 100%, my parents responded in probably the best ways that I could potentially imagine for someone to respond Um, and got me the help I needed Um, and so, counseling started, um, has been a big part of my life. Yeah. Started at a very young age. Wow. But so, another interesting thing through this that kind of ties back to the question of like, did I ever see myself working for a church? And part of their defense at the time was, this can't be real because this is the family in town. who doesn't mm-hmm. go to church. Mm-hmm. Like, they're coming after us because we run a church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like, no, no, it's not it. Yeah. It's not it at all. But even through that, I'm not sure other than to say that it's a totally a God grace thing, I'm not sure why I never connected him and his position to God. Wow like even even as a teenager, even in my early 20s, I mean, I'd struggled with was this my fault and things like that but I can clearly say that I never really put those two together. Mm. Incredible. And I, I don't know why not. I mean, everything in me says I should have. Yeah. Like, that should have driven me away from any potential. And yeah, the only thing I can say is that God covered that. I do remember, in thinking back, there was this. So it was like a little schoolroom thing, and then a little chapel thing. And I remember I used to spend my lunches sitting in the back of that. Um, just against the wall with a picture of now knowing it was Jesus. Hmm. I didn't really know who it was at the time whatsoever, but like always was above me directly mm. behind me. And that was my one safe spot there. Mm. Like that's where I felt comfortable. And it wasn't until years later that I could put together why that is yeah. of without even knowing it. This little 10 year old girl knew just go find safety and just go sit wow. with God, which just blows my mind. Yeah.
0: Mm. It's incredible.
2: Also, interestingly enough, there was a lot of history with my family that led to not going to church even before – sorry, before I was born and things. But my parents also saw a lot of the – they saw a lot of the fighting that happened Mm -hmm. between small churches Mm -hmm. in an area. And my dad had seen just churches being super hypocritical at all times, and that had always drilled down into him of – like, there's not an American church that's not like that. There's, yeah. you know, that's not really the God that he knew and grew up with. Cause I've learned over the years that he had a relationship with God. And so it wasn't even that he had no idea. It was just he couldn't, at the time, he couldn't feel like he had a place in order to take us. And to teach us about that, but also that he wasn't equipped to teach us about God at all. And So fast forward several years, and I uh, was babysitting for a couple who—so I was a teenager by then. And so I was babysitting for a couple who were the youth directors at a really small Knob Springs Baptist Church. They invited me to come to Sunday school that next Sunday— Mainly because it was whatever Harvest Biggest Sunday goal thing where there's a competition. (laughs) Um, And so I was like, well, I like y'all. Sure. Why not? I don't know. Chris, you can probably tell from a very early age. I didn't know how to tell people no. (laughs)
0: Uh.
2: Um, But so I was like, "Okay, sure. Why not? I don't have anything going on on Sundays. I don't do anything. And they were willing to pick me up. That was another Mm, really big thing. They came and got me turns out I went to school with a quarter of the kids there. Um, so I had familiar faces, which yeah. was helpful for sure. And um, I just kept going because they kept showing up and picking me up. love that. Like, honestly, I would not have gone had they not done that. And every Sunday. And they've got three kids. Like, they had to get all their kids ready and then drive over to our house and then drive there. Yeah. And just through a lot of conversations and um, – just over time, probably a year, year and a half later or so, um, gave my life to Christ in this little tiny, tiny Baptist church, um, surrounded by about 50 people probably, max. Yeah. Tried to start learning what that meant. Because also, didn't grow up going to to Sunday school. I didn't know any of the, the songs. I didn't know any of the stories. And, you know, I've never been able to tell if I think that's a disadvantage or if that's an advantage. Mm. Um, I think I've learned over the years about God in a very different way, which is a little special, I feel like, to me, personally, at least. absolutely. But also, I've had a lot of times where I felt like, oh, I'm really behind. Um, I remember teaching Sunday school here, actually, at Brazos Fellowship before I was on staff. And I remember every week I'd be trying to figure out what the preschool lesson was because I'd be (laughs) reading it like two days before. And I'm like, ooh, never heard of that before. (laughs) What's the story? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Jonah got eaten by a whale
0: yeah
2: how am I 25 and I didn't know that
0: <laughs> yeah
2: um and so yeah knobs was was huge in the fact that um that's where that's where I met God and actually knew it mm-hmm. kind of deal um and then fast forward when came here to A&M for school fell in love with a really great guy decided never to leave whatsoever um it's it was a great town a good size mm-hmm. i call it a big city all the time yeah. well yeah <laughs> <compared> <laughs> coming to from blue, blue Texas. yeah <laughs> true.
0: huge metropolis
2: yes um so but it also still has that small town feel yeah. and, um so in looking at we got we we were both christians and we both would talk about faith but we weren't really chasing god necessarily um, we didn't really know what to do with that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, my husband, Sean, actually grew up in church and has a really great background, and um, but we just didn't know how to find some place that felt comfortable. It didn't feel like a priority really early on in our relationship, and then shortly after we got married, um, I said, okay, I think this is something we, like, we've got to figure out. Um, so we were trying churches in town and just kind of hopped around a little bit, and then we walked into Brazos Fellowship one Sunday. 11 years ago. and Never looked back. Yeah. Um, And I have to say my, my faith has truly grown and bloomed and blossomed from tiny to like blows my mind over the time that I've been here, both before on staff and then especially also on staff as well.
0: Man. So crazy. You know, we have very different backgrounds. Uh, My dad was a pastor you grew up in a home where you didn't even know God existed, that that was even a thing. Um, And to hear you talk about how you were like, I don't know if it was an advantage or a disadvantage, but like just the authenticity of your discovery of that truth. Now, certainly the the journey, you know, it was very hard and heavy and, and you had to walk through things that no one should ever have to walk through, but to come out on the other side, to see God's sovereignty, to see God's providence, to, uh, Begin to discover his goodness in a in a real and personal way, and it not be this. Oh, that's a story that I've heard all my life, and oh yeah, of course, Joan, I got eaten by a whale. Like that's a normal thing, of course. Like it's this awe inspiring. Like oh my gosh, like God is Mm -hmm. real and He is big and He desires to have personal relationship with me. And man, I just think oh, it's just incredible to think about that journey and the moments and the interactions that brought you to this place. I think it's so cool.
1: One of my favorite things about like reflecting on moments is when I know for me, I get to think about the people that God's like placed in like, and you don't sometimes even realize it till later. Like yeah. I know when I was telling my story, I was like, I had to really think about it. I was like, Oh wow. Like that's crazy to see. And so who would you say are some people that were placed in like some crazy moments you didn't expect them to be, but that have helped you bring you where you are today. And the people that are those
2: for you today, like who is like your circle of people and just encourage you. I have to say, I, I believe in relationships a lot because I've definitely seen over the years how that can that can make a difference for sure. And I've been blessed by a lot of people who've shown up in my life. And so honestly, high school through college, I'd say um, it was this lady named Pam, um, who I met through knobs and then stayed in touch with when I moved here. And it's really interesting because I met her because, well, A, you know, everyone in town. <laughs> <laughs> but also I was, I babysat her kids and you know, most of the time that's just a transactional relationship. Mm -hmm. Like you show up, they leave, they go do their thing. They come back, they hand you money and you leave. And, um, but with her, it was so different. She was so willing to just pour into my life and just know what was going on. And, you know, she, she would just sit and talk with me for hours. Like, and even, um, through my senior year of high school, I think I only babysat for her like once or twice a week, but I was at her house almost every day. Wow! It was just part of my like I got out of school and I would drive over there and get to have a cosmic brownie with the kids (laughs) 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 and just sat and talked and um, she shared her life. She always wanted to know what was going on in my life and um, help me work through. My first real relationship breakup that, you know, you let ruin your life mm-hmm. a little. Yeah. Um, but also walked with me through moving out of a town where I knew everyone to one where I only knew a handful of people um, and trying to figure out what happens when you are in a really serious relationship in college or trying to figure out what happens after college even um, and so she was huge just because she spent time mm-hmm. talking and really wanted to know. And it wasn't just the surface, oh, how are you kind of a deal. Like she was always interested in the answer to that. And and then, so my husband has been a huge, huge providential person in my life relationship. And I know everyone should say that. But also, <laughs> um, he has been incredibly supportive and patient with me mm-hmm. in my journey and was one of the first people who didn't look at me like i was totally broken like i mean he was heartbroken when he heard my story and it's again a god thing that i even felt comfortable to share my story with him when i did because he learned my story real early on in our relationship um i was also our relationship was very different from all of his in the past as well and so for him to be willing to stick by for him to be willing to say no to all of the fun um and you know the pull that the world has for you in a relationship yeah. was huge. He's been my rock in the fact that um, sometimes I can have some pretty high emotions and some pretty low emotions, <laughs> and he's like, "Nah, we're just gonna yeah. we're gonna roll through it." Yeah. And um, always has my back, always in my corner, and has also been a really big part of me learning to love myself a little bit better and a little more i'm gonna highlight learning there because we'll talk about it later but i'm nowhere near nowhere near even having learned that one (laughs) um but really like has been instrumental in me being able to believe okay you're you're beautiful and i'm not just saying it because i'm your husband and i have to kind of a deal you know so yeah he's been he's been huge and then the staff here chris you and I barely knew each other. I know you and my husband worked together mm-hmm. before I came on staff, but even, even before I was on staff for about two years, I was a volunteer here all Sunday morning in the kids area. Um, and the relationships I got to build there helped me through some crazy. And then also gave me even the opportunity to be on staff mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know? Um, and through the years, I mean, this this staff has been huge in my life. Um, and the way that we care for each other, like, and I don't mean this to sound like a sales pitch for a scholarship <laughs> staff, but also you guys got to understand, like, it's real. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, And we all agree and know and understand we're messy people, yeah. and yet we also keep showing up in each other's lives. And then we have a group of friends who are from the old I love small yeah. group <laughs> um, that have just been instrumental in continuing to encourage um i've got a little group of girlfriends who man they stick by you and they're willing to talk about all the funny and all the silly and all the hard and you know are not afraid to say hey y'all i'm not okay today Mm. like will you pray for this you know and not a surface level will you pray for this but i know i can text or call them and say today I am just not okay yeah and um, to have people like that is is incredible I never growing up I didn't really have close friends and in college I didn't have close friends and so I didn't realize what I was missing and now yeah. I can't I can't imagine losing exactly. some of the people yeah. who yeah. really mean the world to me so.
0: yeah and that's crazy and y- you've mentioned several different things that you've learned one common thread is, people that kept showing up, mm-hmm. right? From the youth pastors to Pam, these people that just kept showing up in your life, people from I Love, the staff, That's just like every time I turn around, they're there and they're walking with me and they're investing in me and they're helping to bear my burden and carry my load. Um, you you mentioned the, the beginning of unpacking a lesson that Sean has helped you, your husband Sean has helped you learn about lo- what it looks like to love yourself and to accept yourself. What are some of those key lessons that have just been foundational for you in this journey as you're evolving and growing. And we are, man, we're all messy. We're broken. Like, Oh gosh, if you think that you become perfect because you're on staff, like get out of here with that business. Mm -hmm. Like no way. Uh, Our, our staff is not full of perfect people. It's full of people. Mm -hmm. And by definition, that means that we're not, we're not perfect. We're very messy. And so it's definitely a a process. It's an evolution. Mm -hmm. It's a, a continued learning process. But what are some of those lessons that you feel like are foundational to, where you're at
2: honestly i think a big thing recently um has been even just knowing and understanding like survival tactics are really good and super necessary but then also learning and discovering later that those coping mechanisms maybe aren't what you need to live in mm. in the rest of your life mm-hmm. that's good um and also recognizing that's super hard to figure those things out too mm-hmm. they like to hide their natural things that we do and Um, They help us, but also sometimes they can totally hinder us. For me, I think this is different for everybody, but for me, I never know when exactly they're going to pop out. And so trying to learn to have grace with myself when that happens, um, which is I'm now wrapping my head around that's also a lifelong journey kind of thing. I like to fix things. I want things to be, <laughs> anytime there's a problem, I want to see, like, how can we fix it? How quickly can we do that? Mm. And so, yeah, I've spent years on and off in counseling over time, um, over a lot of different subjects and a lot of different things. And um, there have been some times where I've felt like, oh, okay, so I've got an answer. I should be able to figure this out. Or, mm. you know, I'm going to apply this to my life and then it's going to fix it. And yeah. It's going to be better. And then yeah. <laughs> it's not always, or it's better for a short time. Yeah. Um, and then you can't figure out why, why is something happening again? And, um, so really what I'm trying to do now is really learn what is that grace and that love look like mm. when the journey is hard and it's not ending. Mm. Cause the journey's not going to end. Yeah. Like that's that, which sounds as I'm talking about it now, this sounds like a really dumb aha, <laughs> but yet like, I spend time being frustrated with myself of why are you still struggling with that thing? And even learning to love myself a little bit more or better at all. um, One thing I learned was even just how I talked with myself. Like I've been good at like, Oh, you got to pump yourself up kind of a deal. Um, And I probably carried myself with a lot of super fake confidence for a long time that was usually driven by like a little morning speech it was something along the lines of like hey back up like let's get this done Hmm. you're fine you look great and then slowly realized okay so i've basically spent a lot of time yelling at myself in the mirror (laughs) (laughs) who knew that wasn't gonna work (laughs) no wonder that's not tricking my brain yeah um and so even just not identifying some of those tiny little things of Okay, so instead I have to look at myself in the mirror and be like, hey, you are beautiful today. Like, even just addressing what tone of voice do I use with myself, which feels a little silly to say outside out loud. I promise I'm not just like a crazy psychotic person no, not talking to all. myself not at all. Um, Emmy will tell you, I talk to myself though. Okay, <laughs> um, <laughs> She gets things done. If it's her method, you do it yeah. sister. <laughs> what was it the other day you guys caught me on the fact that I walk in my office and if I go, okay, let's do this. It means like I'm trying to go in and focus yeah, on something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah <it's, laughs> she gives us awesome. a little pet talk when she walks in and I'm like, I'm for it. That's for so it. good. Ooh. Okay. Here's another big thing. Um, there's a difference between, Knowing something and believing something, like and learning Mm. it and like living it out, like whether it's knowing that God loves you or believing that God loves you, Mm. whether it's knowing that you're good at something or believing you're good at something, whether it's knowing that it's not your fault or believing it's not your fault, like. I, for years, I have known all the answers. Mm. And, you know, I can give people great advice, and I've gotten the opportunity and I'm honored to get to speak into people's lives. And yet, I was challenged on, okay, you know these things, and you say you know these things, but do you really believe them? Yeah. And, I, you know, 2019, beginning of 2020, before everything went crazy. <laughs> Was a time where I was really, like, took some time, dug in, Mm -hmm. tried to figure out what all do I really believe, Mm. and was a time in which I could really learn to believe just how much God loved me. Not just God loves the world, not just God loves everybody, but God loves me. That's rich. And um, I think that prepared me for 2020, which then was... A complete circus, crazy, chaotic thing in the world, but also in my own private life. Um, this is another one of those little pivotal circumstance things. Um, my husband and I have been married for eleven years and don't have kid, didn't have kids, kind of thing, and that was just that's part of our life, and that was something that we both felt comfortable with, and everything. And then twenty twenty happened, and God said, "I'm going to flip your whole world around, and I'm going to bless you with a child." I'm going to give you a baby, Yeah, which I didn't know what to do with. Didn't know how to handle (laughs) it. There was a lot of panic. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of things. And then there was also a lot of heartbreak as we lost that child. And um, again, it was a really weird, crazy season in which it happened right as COVID hit. And so it wasn't something that we could really share with our friends and family. It wasn't something like... No one knew if you could see anybody or talk to anybody Mm -hmm. or anything, you know. And so we really wound up pulling everything in and having to kind of work through it. Not completely on our own, but we really leaned on each other and then a handful of friends that we knew we could reach out to. And at first I was like, why on earth would this have – I mean, I still can't figure out why. And there's a part of me that wants to know really bad. Um, But – I couldn't figure out why this would happen right after I had done all of the soul searching because then I got thrown into like a, I believed God gave us this miracle. Why would he take it away? I thought he, lo- I thought I believed he loved me. Like, why would that happen? And really having to learn and just sit with him and tell him those doubts and be okay with telling him my mm-hmm. doubts. Yeah. Be okay with asking. Like, that's hard. That sucks. Yeah. When you And especially you work for a church, like you feel like you aren't allowed yeah. to ask those mm-hmm. questions, which again, we have the greatest culture here in the fact that those questions are allowed mm-hmm. and they're encouraged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And through that of really sitting with God and praying out every emotion and every thought and every feeling and really processing kind of a deal was able to dig out of, a lot of the anxiety and depression that came on and really work through this weird season and really enforce more and more. I didn't just believe that God was good. I just, I didn't just know that God was good and I didn't just know that God loved me. I believed that God was good and I believed that he loved me. Wow. Um, So yeah, I'd say trying to, trying to figure out how to love yourself, uh, which looks also different for everybody. Completely different. Yeah. Um, learning that that's a life journey, not being so harsh on yourself. And then, yeah, that there's a difference between knowing and mm. believing.
0: Man, just yeah. sitting here listening to you talk, especially that end of of knowing and believing and what you and Sean went through in early 2020. Um, I, I'm not going to sit here and try and explain God or any of that because I have no idea. But just sitting here listening, and I, the first thought that came to mind was, can you imagine... If you had walked through that before you walked through this season mm-hmm. of God beginning to help you really figure out what you believed,
2: yeah, yeah, I, I can't, yeah, I, I don't think I would have landed mm-hmm. in the same places. Yeah. Like, I think I probably would have had to walk away. Like, it's wild, I don't, yeah, yeah, I didn't think I could handle it at the time. Even mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to handle twenty twenty. Yeah if i hadn't if he hadn't and really i didn't know why he had really set that on my heart in 2019 i didn't know why like there wasn't anything bad that happened in Mm -hmm. 2019 but for some reason i was so unsettled Mm. and it took some conversations with um with several staff members before i was able to really dig into okay this is what you're trying to figure out Mm. so yeah man yeah thanks chris
1: yeah (laughs) You were talking about like how you're processing through that and you had said that you many moments of just sitting with God and just having conversations and I think that's really cool because I think that's even something that people have to sometimes learn is okay to just be vocal about like your frustrations and um, what would you say are some of the other like disciplines that you do that have helped you in moments of processing and things that you're getting better at and learning to do on your faith journey?
2: Yeah. Um. So quiet time, I know everybody talks about quiet time, and everyone says it's different for seasons, um, and then it has to be prioritized. That's real. Mm -hmm. Um, And being comfortable with what your quiet time looks like, I'd say in both high seasons and low seasons, um, I have definitely felt such a huge advantage in presence and peace versus the crazy anxiety that I feel if I don't spend time with God. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that's just listening to the radio on the way to work. Um, sometimes that's talking to God in my car on the way to work. Um, sometimes that's listening to worship music while I'm doing the dishes and folding the laundry and, you know, doing all those things. And then it also includes, it's super important to me now, at least. And I think because it became such a habit because I didn't know what else to do while we were locked inside Mm -hmm. and I'm breaking apart and I don't know what on earth to do of just sitting, having some time where it's literally quiet and where I'm trying not to actually think and talk, which is really hard for me to shut down. And, you know, taking a look at something in the Bible, I've kind of bounced between, is that that you just randomly open it or is it that you try to read a passage or a section or whatever. And um, I, again, that just kind of changes based yeah. on if there's a subject that I'm really interested in mm-hmm. um, or if there's a Bible study that I'm super interested in. And, um, but also making sure that that's not, I'm just going to read one verse just to read a verse. Mm-hmm. But a, okay, I, even if it is, like there's only one verse, because sometimes God can really speak to you right, through one verse. Yeah. Um, but if that's the case, then it means I'm reading it and I'll look and see what does a different translation say. Mm. Or I'll read it a couple times and really say, okay, what part of this relates to me? Or what can this mean to me? Because there's plenty that I have found in the Bible um, that that confuses me or that i don't feel like really applies and then if i actually sit there and try to think about it and try to figure that out it helps mm-hmm. um just make it a little bit more real and um also learning how to be comfortable with with prayer which is hard mm-hmm. um because we all have all these different pictures of what maybe it should look like or could look like and you don't really know what's right and wrong and um, if I'm by myself, then I will actually talk out loud to God. Mine is a lot more conversational. Um, I used to pray on the way to work all the time before I worked here. That was like my one like okay, every day on the way to work I prayed kind of thing. And I'm pretty sure people thought I was crazy in the car because <laughs> I am um. just chit chatting away, just <laughs> looking around, kind of a deal, you know. Um, if I'm with other people, like I. Or, you know, if my husband's home or something like that, like, it kind of just depends. Sometimes I'm comfortable praying out loud and sometimes I'm not, kind of the old. And sometimes we get to pray together. But, like, you have to to fight through that uncomfortability, I think, and be okay with fighting through that uncomfortability. And then just picking and deciding, okay, this Mm -hmm. is how I'm going to talk to God. And no, like, he just wants to talk to you. Like, it's okay. It doesn't have to be something formal and super specific. And my husband and I are working through the Bible Recap podcast. I'm gonna be honest; I've never read the Bible f- like cover to cover. Never successfully read the Bible cover to cover. Um, tried a couple times, didn't didn't work. Um, but we are 135 days in yeah. now, kind yeah. of thing.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome.
2: Um, and I think it's cool getting to do that with someone helps mm-hmm. me kind of thing. And um, they do a really great job of talking about uh, passages and things like that. Um, so just finding little tricks and and things. Um, and then this isn't necessarily, I mean, I see a Christian counselor, um, but it's not necessarily a, this is a discipline with God that I have kind of thing, but, um, just going to counseling when I need it and, um, probably should go more often. I'll be honest. Um, I've known my life was a little upside down and crazy and it took me about two months, like, so two and a half months ago, I was like, Ooh, I really need, I need to go back to counseling. It took me two months to email my counselor to be like, Hey man, you got some you have some time, can yeah. you get me in? Yeah. And of course he's like, Yeah, of course. <laughs> Duh. That's and then what so, I do. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. Um so even though that's something that I am not new to, um, there's always still a little bit of anxiety of that, of like, oh, is that okay? Yeah. How crazy am I? Um, but just letting yourself be Mm -hmm. comfortable with that and I've really found a lot of good in being able to talk things through and have an outside third party who can speak into something um or also just a safe space where you can just say all the things Mm -hmm. all the things (laughs) (laughs) literally
0: everything yeah that's so good it's so good so now is the part of the podcast where i ask everyone's either favorite or least favorite question i don't know uh it's my favorite question but some people look at me like "Ooh!" uh but it's just this it's this so what question right it's this idea of and you said it it there's this transition that has to happen between okay we know these things like i know god has shown up in this way and i, I know that like i've had these moments i've met these people i've learned these lessons i have these disciplines but so what, how does that then translate into who I actually am today? Like the walking around breathing person that I am and interacting with other people. So what does that look like for you? The outward facing version of Leslie and how you interact with the people around you. How does all this stuff inform that person?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So it's kind of funny. I'm going to tell you a little, little cheat thing. I tried to prep for this. <laughs> Uh, by I mean, I already listened to your podcast, but then I knew, ooh, he's doing staff members. I'm going to go listen to a handful of them. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly because I was like, wait, how did they answer the rest? Like, how did they talk about stuff? And then how did they figure out how to kind of put it all yeah. together? Because yeah. you're right. That can be a super challenging thing of, okay, but now what do you actually do with it? Yeah. And I would say I'm not always the best at what do I do with it, to be honest. But I would say... Most things in my life have kind of come together to really teach me and I really try to live out even just the concept of we don't even know what anyone else has experienced. Big things, little things. Yeah. Whole life today kind of deal, you know. Um, and because we don't know that, we can't make assumptions. Mm. And... We also don't know how deep the hurt is or not deep the hurt is kind of thing. Um, And so I I don't do a great job of this. Please don't hear me say that I think I'm amazing and perfect and all those things. But I really try to live out Jesus' command of loving others. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to have a lot of grace and compassion because I see how that has changed my life and how that has impacted my life and the people around me. Yeah, um, Because even, it's not just how it impacted me, but even how it's impacted my family. Um, I know I mentioned earlier, like, we, I grew up in an unchurched home, and we weren't, we were the people who didn't go. Well, Brazos Fellowship is the first church that my dad has felt comfortable really stepping into. Wow. Now, I'm, mm-hmm. he hasn't he hasn't come and attended a service sure. and that's okay. Yeah. But he has walked in the front doors and gotten a cup of coffee and like talked to people in the lobby yeah. and then he wanted to see the auditorium and like he's been interested in not just my job, what do you do, but he's interested in the people mm-hmm. and he's watched online with us. Yeah. Like he's watched church at home with us. Now that we're online in general, my yeah. mom watches every week and that's stuff. So cool. and, oh, I love it. Like it's just, it's crazy cool to me to see how the compassion that I've been shown and like the the love that I've been shown has changed my life, but changed the people around me as yeah. well. And I want to try to do that as much as possible. And I want to try to love the people that God brings in my life, whether that is are the people that I get to interact with every day mm-hmm. or if that's, you know, the person who is bagging my groceries kind of a deal, you know. I want to know what your name is, and I want to say thank you to you before I walk out because I have no idea how many people did that. Yeah, yeah, just trying to figure out how how can I how can I live out and love out the love that God's given me, um, and then again, too, I mentioned it earlier, just of understanding and being okay with and comfortable with the fact that life is such a journey. Yeah um, and trying to figure out how to move forward in that journey, but also how do I be the best me or even how do I just be me in whatever it is that we're going through right now? Um, and how do I be the me that God wants me to be instead of being the me that I think everyone else needs kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and I know you, and, and it's true. You said, you know, you don't always get this right and you aren't, you haven't arrived. You're not perfect, but, Getting to see up close and personal the way that you interact with people and the way that you are so compassionate and you see the other person, you know you you're really the front door to the church uh, Monday through Saturday. Like if someone walks up to these doors, you're the person that they interact with. And I've heard you answer phone calls and I've seen you greet people at the front door, and it is always it doesn't matter what's going on or how much chaos there is on staff or how busy we are or what project Mm -hmm. is going on. It's like, none of that stuff matters in this moment. You have my attention, Mm -hmm. you have my focus, you have my heart. And you just exemplified that so well for the staff, for me personally, to see that and to be constantly challenged in the way that I interact with people because of the way I see you interact with people. So props to you, Leslie.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I have to say that's something that I'm so excited that I get to do here and so honored that I get to do here. Like we're, you know, Yes, we're a church and so we should be about loving people, but also the fact that from the top down, you know, it's, hey, we've got to love people. And the fact that I get to do that and the fact that, um, Sean and Will know there might be something they're waiting on me for, but if someone does walk in the door, Mm -hmm. I don't have to feel that pressure of, oh, but really I need to go do that thing that they needed me to do because it is true. They want me to be able to spend that time with that person. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with authenticity and transparency. And I like—I know that even me just sitting here and hearing it and, and getting to be a part of this conversation was a huge honor. So thanks for participating. Thank you, guys. Yeah, because yeah. it would have been very easy to say no. It's like,
2: nah, yeah, not, no, not for me. Not doing the podcast um, thing. So. I don't know. I yeah. hope no one else asked me to do a podcast because it's only because it's the two of you. <laughs> oh like I'm gonna say no to everyone it. else. Awesome. <laughs> it's just the
1: two of Love you. It.
0: Well, we can't let you go without having a little bit of fun. And so this is where Emmy just takes the show away and leads kind of a little fun segment. It's so, so
1: fun. And this one's new. <laughs> smirk on her. I face don't I don't even know what it is. I'm excited. <laughs> okay, so it's kind of tri- I mean, it is trivia. But it's state trivia. Ooh. So oh I have ten um like state hints that describe one of our 50 states okay and (laughs) and, uh, and i'll give you like four choices and i feel like you can you know process of elimination on a majority of these you got this okay you You definitely can do this okay Okay. you ready i'll give you the first one
2: you got it should i preface this with like i like i'm i'm a texas
1: girl Fair me I mean me too. Okay. N- okay. Never been anywhere okay. really <laughs> else. So I, I get you on this, but I think you can do this. Okay. Okay. The first one. The state's animal, perhaps surprisingly, is the beaver. In eighteen forty three, the first chess tournament in the US took place here, and the only American city to host the Olympics twice is in this state. Here are your options Connecticut, Rhode Island, New York, or Pennsylvania.
2: Ooh. Uh... Throw one out there. I mean, I'm going to guess New York, but mainly just because it's big, and I feel like that would probably have hosted the Olympics. And you would be right.
1: See, oh, look, you figured it out.
0: The state animal Easy. is the
1: beaver? That's what it what? says. Why New York is it a beaver? I don't know. That's strange. Don't. We need a huh. fact checker on something. Yeah, really. <laughs> we'll
0: have a corrections podcast. <laughs> will later.
1: Okay, the next one. This state has a population smaller than six American cities and shares its borders with only one other U.S. state. Yet, it's the largest producer of toothpicks in the country. Is it Vermont, New Hampshire, Delaware, or Maine? Maine. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Only Only because
2: I know know it's at the
1: top. Yeah. That's all you need (laughs) to know. There you go.
0: (laughs) Largest supplier
1: (laughs) of toothpicks. I know. Again, we wanted to fact check (laughs) this. So great. Not 100% sure. So great. Okay. Don't steal any cattle in this state, or mark a cow with graffiti. This is the only state to enter the U.S. by treaty rather than by annexation, and this is also home to Dr. Pepper in the world's largest rattlesnake roundup. Texas. Yeah, I wasn't even to give multiple choices. Like we knew that one. Ah.
2: Yeah. Did it? Yes, yeah, seriously. Don't steal a cow, like cattle in this state. You will be executed. Yeah. Like, I, I'm pretty sure, like, they, I don't know if still they, they actually like, still
0: actually execute. Like, I mean, they <laughs> I might if you're on their land, I mean, they back just in the shoot day, you. They but they that or yeah. hanging. I don't yeah, know if don't they don't do know. that
2: anymore. I don't like, know you if they still think that. That's true. that's true. That's true. No, but there's some, like, weird state law. Oh, yeah, they ball. take it. Like, there's some they weird things seriously. that are written in. There yeah. probably are places
1: where it's like they don't care. They'll just do what they want.
2: Yep.
1: Scary. Okay. Number four fossilized dinosaur eggs have been found in this state, which is aptly nicknamed the Treasure State. It's also the home to elk, deer, and antelope populations that each outnumber the state's human residents. Is it North Dakota, South Dakota, Alaska, or Montana? Ooh, that's oh, tough.
2: That's uh, this one's hard. A little harder.
1: Let's try here.
2: Like, I want to narrow that down to either Montana or Alaska. You have me at like giant they gave elk. the
1: two Dakotas also as options. So
2: yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say Montana, mainly just because it's huge. And you know. would be right. Yes. Oh, there we go.
1: Pro. Yes, you got Listen, this.
2: Listen, in school, I was pretty good at uh, multiple choice. I believe, see. I mean, I didn't mm-hmm. actually know what I was answering or anything. <laughs> but if I had a chance. <laughs> process was a of chance. elimination,
0: baby.
1: All right. The largest U.S. state east of the Mississippi. This state is home to the world's largest sculpture and the world's largest poultry convention, the International Poultry Trade Show. Is it North Carolina, Missouri, Georgia or Alabama Georgia
2: it is it looks biggest on the
1: (laughs) Chrissy's face is like how would she know that
0: (laughs) I mean Chick-fil-A is from Atlanta so does that count for like poultry that's probably a really good guess but I'm impressed because I probably wouldn't
1: have got that at all okay Kool-Aid was invented here as was the Reuben sandwich but the state's most beloved native food is the runza might have said that wrong but it's a ground beef and cabbage stuffed pastry Here are your options. Nebraska, Idaho, Kentucky, or South Dakota. Maybe
2: focus on the Kool-Aid and Reuben sandwich. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Reuben sandwich sounds like it should be more Eastern, which is going to make me say Kentucky because that's the most Eastern out of those options, but I don't know that the rest of that actually fits in Kentucky. It would be Nebraska.
1: There you go. And I had no idea either. Learning something every day. All right, here we go. Both the first human lung transplant and the first heart transplant happened in this state. Additionally, it's the birthplace to a human who put a lot of heart into his puppets. Muppets creator Jim Henson. Was it Arkansas, Mississippi, Louisiana, or Missouri?
2: Ooh. Also have no idea. I um, I was trying to think like where there'd be big medical facilities for the whole lung. And oh, that's heart a good way to think about, thing. about it. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know a lot about giant medical <laughs> facilities. let's be honest, <laughs> so I that's like the helpful. thought process.
1: Well, it's <laughs> Mississippi. Okay, I would have guessed Missouri. Wrong M. Okay, hey, you were you were getting there. You were thinking through it. All right, couple more. Fully, one quarter of the country's llama population lives in this state, which also boasts the world's largest cheese factory and more than 750 vineyards. Sharp cheddar and an oaky Chardonnay. Anyone? Here are your options: Washington, Montana, California,
2: or Oregon. Ah, oh, I kept waiting to hear Wisconsin because right? you said cheese. I know. Like I got I know. real That's focused where they on that. Seven hundred and fifty vineyards. Um. Okay. One. So California. Llamas, the llamas. Cool. So is it California? <laughs> It's not. It's oh. Oregon. Oh.
0: Interesting. Okay.
2: I know. Again. There are a lot of vineyards, like, in the west, yeah. northwest.
1: That's you, that direction, that?
2: right? Yeah. About yeah. it. geography. Yeah, you, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This
1: southern state was the last one to secede during the Civil War and the first to be readmitted to the Union. It's bordered by eight other states and gave us such notable figures as Davy Crockett, Minnie Pearl, Dolly Parton, and Alex Haley. Here are your options. Georgia. Alabama. Tennessee. West Virginia. Tennessee! Yeah! Yeah. Yay for Dolly! Dolly did it. Gave it away. Okay, here's the last one. You got this. Okay. This state has given the world the first electric guitar, the first parking meter, and the first shopping cart. Garth Brooks was born and raised here, and it is also home to more than 200 man-made lakes, more than anywhere else. Options. Oklahoma. Texas. Arizona. Nevada.
2: Oh, I am a terrible small town girl who grew up on country and has no idea where Garth Brooks was born. It's not, it can't be Oklahoma because I feel like it's too dry there. <laughs> the you wouldn't have done lakes. Texas <laughs> twice. Lakes? Yeah, yeah, the lakes. I yeah. don't think there's enough room. You wouldn't have done Texas twice. So you got uh, Arizona,
0: I also didn't do the multiple choice. Someone oh, okay.
1: else came up with that, so I, I um, don't know their methods. Ooh, that's, that but that is a me. lot of
2: dry states. Yeah. Uh, okay, I have absolutely no idea, so we're going to guess Arizona because it's an A. It's actually Oklahoma. Oh, Our okay. was from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was wrong.
0: So. There you go. You still went six and four. You did really better good. Better than half, better than you 50%. You did
1: really good. I'm impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. job. Thanks.
0: So we're going to start teaching a geography class on Sunday yeah, mornings um, here at Red yeah, Fellowship. Come on. Obviously Lee. not taught by me. <laughs> yeah. State Trivia Queen. <laughs> Who should Leslie Allman. It? That should be your new job title. State yeah. Trivia Queen.
2: Just add it on. I mean, if you'd done world geography, I probably would have had a pretty good chance. But go. next time,
1: <laughs> next time. <laughs> next time. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: good luck to whoever comes. Yeah, down. really, exactly.
0: <laughs> well, thanks again, Leslie, for yeah. an awesome podcast.
2: Awesome, thank you. Can I also add, like, add in a fun little? Like, yes, please. Like a fun thing because I talked about a lot of heavy things and mm-hmm. stuff and also realized I didn't actually mention like one small tiny thing going on in my life right yeah. now kind of deal um, in which God likes to redeem stories even more kind of thing. So 2021 has included a lot of chaos and crazy as well. Which includes another sweet little baby. Yeah, That's right. nice. Woo-hoo. Yay. That's And awesome. today, as we record, I am twenty weeks, so I'm halfway there. Yes, we get to find out what this little thing is tomorrow. Nice, sweet baby. nice. So, Love it. yeah, I feel like I would be terrible if I didn't like actually <laughs> also include like excited and yeah. you know totally yeah. blessed over here God is God is redeeming things and brings you love multiple it. multiple surprises that you do not know are that's coming that's right yeah. <laughs>
0: that's right what better way to end the podcast than on that so
2: love it thank you guys yeah
0: absolutely Amy
1: no better news there you go I love it
0: until next time see you later